0: feel some some specific things from the lord that i want to remind us of it's not going to be unfamiliar but i believe it'll encourage our faith and uh yeah we'll just see what the lord will do amen you can be seated tonight you know i mentioned a scripture on last tuesday night regarding the blood of jesus and how some of us we were or the the scripture said in ephesians we were Uh, sometimes far off but we were made nigh by the blood of Christ and that that verse and that thought hasn't left me since since that Tuesday night and so I just want to talk for just a few moments about the blood of Christ and you know it's Christ of course is manifest in the flesh in the New Testament but all of us who've been around for any length of time know that Throughout the whole of of Scripture, the blood is is such a key theme. And one of the key places that I always think of where it starts, and it's such a prophetic Scripture too, is with Abraham. And the Lord gives him finally, you know, his promised son that he's been waiting for and that he even tried to produce in his flesh and finally gets that promise. And then the Lord says, okay, give it back to me. (laughs) And don't just give it to me for my service but take its life and of course if you know the story abraham obeys and he takes all the necessary things for that sacrifice and begins the ascent up the mountain and and his son no doubt knowing what sacrifices look like says okay dad we've got we've got everything necessary for the sacrifice except uh except the sacrifice <laughs> and of course abraham makes the prophetic statement when he says the lord will provide himself a lamb and we know the rest of the story like i said of how prophetic that verse was but then fast forward a little bit to the children visual and they're in bondage now and but the lord is the timing of the lord has has come to bring them out so he's brought his man Moses back into the scene, back into the picture. And and I, as I was thinking about this and the Lord was kind of dealing with me about these things, I feel like so much of where we are today correlates with Egypt and the things that the Lord put the Egyptians through with those plagues. And I'm not trying to imply anything or say anything in a rev- revelation or prophetic sense, but I think that... Us being in the last days in so many ways, the Lord, I believe, is because we know he still is, has a judgment, a final judgment for the world. And so I believe in, that there's parallels there with Egypt and that there's there's a final plague that would come. And in today, it's a final judgment that would come. And just just as in in that story and in that history, the Lord, he comes to them. And if you know the story, it's the first Passover. The Lord comes and he says, the The blood shall be, it's Exodus 12, he said, the blood shall be a token upon your houses where you are. And he tells them, take a lamb that's a year old and this is how you have to prepare it and dress it and cook it and bring families together if one of your family is not enough to eat it. And very specific in how it was supposed to be done. And and then, of course, it was to be applied to the doorposts so that when that final judgment would come over Egypt, the angel would pass over the houses where the blood was applied. And what I believe and just feel in, in my spirit, and I know it's true, is that the same is, is going to happen in these end times, that the Lord is going to return. And those that don't have the blood applied to the doorposts, so to speak, of their heart, They're going to perish. They're not going to be brought out. And we, of course, have the commission of having that blood applied to our lives through the waters of baptism and and what Christ did for us. We have the commission now of telling everyone else, hey, this is what you have to do if you expect to survive, if you expect to make it through the judgment and go into a promised land beyond this natural life and so i just want to share a few scriptures to like i said this is it's not going to be anything new to probably any of us but i think we could always use a fresh reminder of the blood of jesus and what it's done for us i know that the reminder has been um, very positive for me just in the last week or so so you can, you can try to follow along in, in your Bible if you'd like, but I'm pretty much just going to pull one verse from, from a bunch of different places, so you can also just listen if you'd like. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, starting there, it says that, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9 much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be, we shall be saved from wrath through him. And I talked about the final judgment that would come it 's the wrath of God that will be loosed on this world that it 's only by his blood that we'll be saved from, and I think it 's so powerful that his blood it covers us it covers us and it saves us from from our past and all the things that we've done that we could be we could be judged for but then it also saves us from everything in the future that we might continue to commit and have to recover in the blood have to re resubmit resurrender under the blood of Christ that's still still flowing Matthew 26 verse 28 says for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's the power of what his blood does. In Ephesians 1 and 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. His blood brings remission of sins, and his blood brings redemption. The forgiveness of sins... According to the riches of his grace. In Ephesians 2, verse 13, where, where I already mentioned where we read last week. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Man, we're forgiven, we're redeemed by the blood. We're made nigh by the blood. I I I'm a I'm a person who likes to see. I I always look at patterns in scripture and life, and and I, anytime I see something like that where we're made nigh by the blood of Christ, I always try to kind of think of the opposite as well. Of okay, if the blood of Christ makes us nigh, then what makes us not nigh? <laughs> What makes us separated and far from, from God? And of course, we know it's those things that he has to redeem us from. It's those things that we're tempted and if we're not careful, we're drawn away of our own lusts back to. And as scripture says, in somewhere in the Gospels or Corinthians, I can't remember, but speaking of those who at one time knew this truth, the Bible says it would be better for them if they didn't even know it, if they were to leave it and walk away. It says that they're like a dog that's returned to his vomit. And it's those things that we return to at times that pull us away from that closeness that the blood of Jesus brings. Colossians chapter one, and verse fourteen, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Verse twenty, there in the same chapter, says, "In having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him." to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Amen. I don't know what it does in you talking about the blood, but it does something in me making me realize I, I don't deserve to be nigh to him in the way that his blood allows and makes a way for i should still be in egypt and i should still be dead or in slavery and it's nothing obviously we all know this we're not saved by works but it's just our obedience to his process that that works (laughs) it works that salvation it works that way of escape and so it's nothing by my own efforts, but simply my obedience and saying, okay, God, you can make me free from this slavery. Okay, I'm going to apply the blood to the doorposts today. And maybe you you all, once you were baptized, you uh, became perfect human beings, <laughs> but I did not. And this is why I, as I started with, I said, I need a healthy reminder of the blood because I'm realizing more and more every day the importance of daily pleading the blood. Daily coming back under the blood that, that redeems me, that draws me nigh unto him. I'm going to finish with, uh, with one other little passage here in the book of Hebrews chapter 9. And the book of Hebrews is, is such a cool book, especially regarding this topic and the blood and the Lord being our high priest and the things that he did for us. And Here in this passage, if you start reading in verse 6 and read from 6 to 8, it talks about how originally it was just the priest that could enter into the tabernacle, and then it was the high priest that could enter into the second and once a year go there and he still had to have something to bring that produced blood he still had to have something that he could sacrifice but it was only a once a year process a once a year thing that they had that privilege to to do but hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 says but christ i love when verses start like that (laughs) because usually the verses before were saying how I wasn't qualified or how I couldn't get to this certain point. But then it says, but Christ. Or actually, I, I, I want to jump up real quick and read, read verse 8. Speaking of those things that I mentioned of, of the tabernacles and where, where the priests were only allowed to go to a certain point, verse 8 says, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So the way into the holiest place wasn't manifest or it wasn't accessible to all of us yet, while that original and that first tabernacle was still standing. So then verse 11, But Christ, being come and high priest, of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves and all the jews said thank you jesus because that was their life every single year by the blood of goats and calves just moving their sins forward one more year just a temporary fix as they continued to mess up and sin the the next year and had to wait and hold on for that next day of atonement where they could be pushed forward again. It wasn't by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god how much more shall his blood purge your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. I promise you it's much more. (laughs) Much, much more than than the blood of goats or calves. And that passage, it continues, and it talks about the reason that His sacrifice and His blood only had to be shed once. (laughs) Some powerful blood that can cover all of the sins that had gone before his time and all of the sins that would still happen for the rest of time his blood has that power to cover and it still still does cover and then jumping a little bit my last verse here in in that same chapter verse 22 says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood is no remission. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. We know this is why that in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and they realized their nakedness and their sin before God that their first thought was, okay, we got to get covered. We got to get covered in something because we realize now we're exposed because we've sinned. So they had the right idea because they did need to be covered, but they didn't have the full revelation of the need for the shedding of blood to fully cover those sins. So they their humanity stitched, stitched together some fig leaves, and the Bible says they made aprons until the Lord found them and initiated the what we see in Scripture as the first blood sacrifice, at least in the natural that was that was performed, so that they could be covered in their sin. And of course, it was even then, it was just a temporary fix until thousands of years later on, on Calvary, he became the, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And when, when I think about the blood of Jesus, that, that verse is so amazing to me because it makes me realize that from the very foundation of him setting up all that is and all that would be, from the very foundation of that, he already had the plan and knowing that he was going to be that sacrifice, that he was going to be the one that could redeem humanity and wash our sins and cover us and bring us nigh to him again. He knew, he knew the fall would happen. He knew that that fall would cause the separation Relationship with him, and he knew that he was the only one that could be spotless and present himself to cover each of us. And I'm so glad, I'm so thankful that he did because every single day I have to wake up and enter in again to his mercy that's new that morning and remember that if it wasn't for his blood. I would still just be stuck in Egypt and <laughs> probably be dead in Egypt and the slave slavery of sin and of death and bondage that this world is. But His blood has made a way not only of escape, but a way of closeness to Him. Amen. Can we just talk to the Lord for a moment? I'm finished and I'm going to turn it over, but can we just respond to... To the drawing of the lord jesus we thank you father for the shedding of your blood thank you jesus for the reminder of what you've done for us of giving yourself a perfect sacrifice god the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world that taketh away the sins of this world jesus i pray we'd have this revelation Father, that your blood still covers and that it will cover the sin of this world, of those who have not yet come to you. In Jesus' name, in
1: Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Brother Hart. I believe everything that he shared. I feel the Lord is speaking here tonight. And uh, I just want to try and share a few things that I feel like His Spirit is illuminating as all of this is being ministered. I'm going to start with um, an obvious statement of fact, and then we'll go from there. Mm -hmm. Now, let me start... But let me ask it this way first. Why did it have to be Jesus' blood? Think about it for a minute in that term. Why couldn't it have been Brother Manuel's blood? Or Brother Vance's? Or Brother Hart's? Why couldn't, have, why couldn't I, why could it not have been anyone else's? Brother Clyde? That is a very good point. He was not born in sin as we are. His his conception was of the Holy Ghost. Just let that sink in for a minute. His his conception was of the Holy Ghost. Now I want to point this out. There, There has been a theme that the Lord has just constantly knocked on my heart and I think many of ours when, when we intertwine the truth and the um, warning of false prophets and so many times over and over it's in the scripture and it's been repeated here in our, in our hearing that anyone any spirit that doesn't confess that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is not of God Now I'm going to remind you what we just said. His conception was of the Holy Ghost. So any spirit that views his conception as not of the Holy Ghost is not of God. Go further back, and we'll put it this way. Anyone that believes that he is not God in the flesh... Is not of God any spirit that doesn't confess that You see we're all just lumps of clay That God happened to put these two holes on both sides of our head called ears And he happened to put this thing in the middle of the head of the lump of clay called a brain and it is able to process information that goes in those ears and Does something with it and he put a soul in us to house that information. That's about all we are. So, if that's all we are, then the information that comes in these ears is critical. Yeah. What you allow to come into your spirit is critical. Because it's either going to be of God or it's, either, or it's not of God. Plain and simple. And so, that spirit, if, it, if it's a, of a source that does not confess, does not believe that Jesus has come in the flesh, that he is God in the flesh, then that's going to not lead you to truth. It's going to be an error, a spirit of error. If you follow that, you will be lost and uh, damned for all eternity. I wanna, this is the simple statement I wanted to make. Jesus's disciples were of Jewish lineage and birth. All 12 of them, all 12 minus 1 plus 1, were Jewish by birth. By, as such, they had the same footing, the same start as every other Jew by birth, which every other up until this point Jew by birth did not believe because it had not been revealed to them. I mean, I'm not going to fault you for not knowing somebody that lives in North Dakota just because you never met them. you never seen them. You, never heard, you don't know who they are. So I'm not faulting all those other Jews that lived at the time for not recognizing the fact that this was Jesus, the Messiah, until the point that it was their time of revelation. And then, as it was revealed to them, they rejected it that's where the fault comes in so they had the opportunity to confess the revelation or to reject the revelation now his 12 disciples had that same exact um, opportunity and so when when you look at the calling of each one and it starts with Jesus going to some men and saying follow me that's where their opportunity starts. And if you examine through the Gospels, you see they had multiple opportunities to pull away. This guy's getting kind of crazy. I mean, he, I already quit my job to follow him, and, and, and it's like every day we do something new and something different that's a little bit more radical than what we, what we did before. And Scripture is full of opportunities that some people say they turned away from God. They left him. When he would say something that they didn't like, uh, that's the straw that broke the camel's back for me. I can no longer follow you. I can no longer vouch for you. I, I can no longer confess. I, I, I was on the fence before that you might be God in the flesh. You might be the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy One. But now that you're talking like this, I think I'm out. And they retreat back from that faith or that revelation. And this is why at times he would turn to his his disciples and say, are you going to leave too? Let's go here first, brother Timothy Hebrews nine, uh, where brother Hart was just reading verse 14, Hebrews nine and 14. Uh, the disciples and well let 's go back to all that Jewish uh, nation, those Israelites that became a nation of and then a religion that we would call them today Judaism, back then they didn 't have to wrestle with the the now common thought and concept of the Trinity it wasn 't like well, I would believe that, but most people believe this instead, so so I kind of battle and grapple back and forth with this. No, they knew from the beginning as because they were taught from the beginning, Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Lord our God is one Lord. And they understood that He was one. And I want to show you this and then I want to go back a little bit more. This I like this verse because it says Christ, it says Spirit, and it says God all in the same verse. So as we're talking here about the sacrifice on Calvary, it says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. You see all three of those, Christ, Spirit, and God. The modern, modern Trinitarian view would try to Use that verse to support the fact that there's three distinct persons there all doing their own uh, role, their own assignment, fulfilling their own assignment. No, what we see is. Go back with me to Genesis one, verse two, if you will keep this in in your mind, but I want you to see what every Jew who had been taught Deuteronomy six, four up to this point had also been taught. With this understanding. The earth was without form of void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So they would have understood that God is a spirit from the beginning. So when we say in Hebrews nine fourteen that Christ did this through this through the eternal spirit is the, the word that it's used there, they know there he he's operating through the spirit of God that's always been all the way back to Genesis 1 and before that. So he's operating through the Spirit. What spirit? The Spirit of God. This spirit of God, the spirit of God that moved upon the waters. Now stay here just a minute. Go to verse 3 cuz so it says the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and verse 3 says and God said My question is, why doesn't it say and the spirit of God said The spirit of God moved on the face of the waters and God said Why? Because all the way back to then, we could see this idea of God manifesting himself in various capacities to perform various duties. When I needed to, the Lord, when God needed to survey the earth to create it, he sent his spirit to move upon the face of the waters. So, his spirit is all over the earth, moving all over the face of the waters, and he needs to talk at the same time. So, it's not like this you know, he's in the location where he is, speaking underwater from the spirit. No, he's God, he's everywhere at all times. So, the manifestation of him as God, creator in this sense, spoke while his spirit. His eternal spirit is moving at the same time. Now let's go back to Hebrews 9, verse 12. The first question we ask is why did it have to be Jesus' blood, right? So he offered himself to God through the Holy Spirit. So not by the blood of goats or calves. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I see again here a similar manifestation performing uh, an assignment uh, simultaneously. If you know this, uh, when he was crucified, it says at that moment the veil Was rent. So here it says, He entered. How many times? How many times? He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. By His own blood, He entered in once. So did Jesus, the man, die on the cross and his Holy Spirit, which up to this point supposedly was contained in a box in the te- in the temple, in the holiest of holies. So if he's up... <laughs> I'm trying to just give you the picture. If the man, Jesus Christ, is up on the cross, nailed there so literally he can't move, and his spirit, according to their understanding was confined in a box that literally could not get out of the box and you could not go into the room where the box was and while meanwhile all this is happening God is just sitting up in heaven like uh, I hope I got the timing of this right because what's about to happen is the spirit that's always been in that box is going to come out and the man, the spirit of the man that's about to die, is about to go into that room, to enter into it. Oh, and by the way, he's also got to get down into Hades to get the keys of death, and hell, and the grave. How how is he going to do all of that? Because it, it, it's not like a confined to time; like you, you got a timeline right from the moment you die you got about 3.5 seconds to get over here and do that and then you got 0.2 seconds to get over here <laughs> it's not like that folks because the spirit of god is everywhere at all times and operating simultaneously through the manifestations that manifest plural multiple manifestations that god chooses to that he needs to do his work when he needs to have it done I'll I'll just remind you of this one. You have probably heard it before, but right at the same time, up at the point of death, when he's on the cross, Jesus Jesus says, "My God, why hast thou forsaken me?" Believe you can see this in Scripture that at that moment, because the holy, uh, the eternal Spirit of God could not die, it left the man Jesus Christ so that the man could die, and then it came. Back into him. This is we're like kind of like talking about sci-fi tonight. It feels like. I promise you, it's not science fiction though. But so the 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 spirit of God had to leave the man so that the man could die. The eternal spirit of God cannot die. So. The only way that I can see this is he died and was without the spirit of God for th- three days. That spirit's not going to go back into him and be like, oh, this is a good nap, but when are we going to get up? No, he, he said it from the beginning. I, I must die and be buried for three days, right? So during that time. While the Spirit of God is everywhere and operating at all times in the different manifestations, then he has to come back into Jesus, the body, renew him, rebirth him, so that the body could get up and continue doing what the body's manifestation was charged to do. He did it now in a different state, a different uh, frame, if I can put it that way. He wasn't the exact same as, I'm dead, now I'm alive. No, he, he, he rose and he's in this, if you read the scripture, I'm not, I'm not trying to get too confusing for you here, but he's in this kind of in-between state because he says, don't touch me yet, handle me not, for I've not yet been glorified. Because I've not yet gone to my Father, is what he says. So his body is back. He's back in this manifestation. He's got some things he needs to do. Well, he's like this. Then he needs to get glorified because he's got more things he's got to do. All right, that's enough of that. I think you get the picture. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Romans 3, verse 21. This is the last passage I believe I have to to read. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by Faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe for there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. This is why it had to be Jesus that died. He's the only one that had redemption justified through redemption. That's in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of whom which believeth in Jesus. Re- try if you can to put yourself back over 2,000 years ago again, where either as a Jew who was looking for the Messiah or for a, as a Gentile who was not looking for the Messiah but then had him preached to you and shown to you through many revelations. What do I do with this information? Verse 27, Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without deeds of the law, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Frequently I know that I pause to remind you who wrote what to whom. This is the book of Romans. Paul wrote this to the church in Rome to clarify to them, Gentiles... Are children of God, Jews who believe on Jesus are children of God. That's a key, that's a little key phrase there. Jews who believe on Jesus, He started a new covenant, okay, and the old covenant. Included all Jews, whether who, no matter who they believed, what they believed, it's all about who's your father. And if you're of this Jewish lineage, you're good to go. But in the new covenant, it is those who believe on him. I am believing, just hear me please, I just need to say this. I am believing in the last days. For a multitude of Jewish born people to get the revelation that would cause them to believe on Jesus. I'm believing for that. It's going to happen, it's in the Bible, it's going to happen. Is he not the God of the Jews only? Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith, and uncircumcision through faith. If you know me, you know me well enough. I can't just let that go. By faith and through faith. This, when he says the circumcision, he's talking about the Jewish nation. He is going to, seeing it is one God, one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith, justify the Jewish nation by way of faith, by reason of faith, through faith, by by having faith. Because if they don't, They are not justified. This goes back to when he was still alive and is still the case today. You've got to believe that he is, or you will die in your sins. That's the words of Jesus Christ to the Jewish nation. So he's going to justify them by way of faith. And the uncircumcision, that's the Gentile nation. That's anyone that's not a Jewish-born national. Through faith. That's not by way of faith. This is, I'll try to put it this way, through the depiction of faith, through the act of faith. I know this is, I feel like I'm saying a whole lot without saying anything. But the Gentiles, if you're not a Jewish-born person, through faith is, I have to do what I have to do to exercise my faith, to act on my faith. It's not enough for me to just say, oh, I believe it. I've got to live like I believe it. I've got to act like I believe it. See, they had this thing. They had an, it, was, it had to be an ongoing argument. You think like Facebook and stuff is cool now where it's like all these different people talking about I support this, I support this, we believe this, we believe that. This has to do with exactly two groups of people and exactly who is God's person and who is not God's person. Paul, Paul who was not a national born Jew wrote repeatedly over and over, it is so difficult to convert a Jew. It is not so difficult to convert a Gentile. Why? Because to, con- <laughs> okay. because to convert a Gentile, all you have to do is teach them something, let the light bulb come on, and watch them obey their understanding. To convert a Jew, you have to tell them so much about your understanding is wrong. You have lived up to this day believing this, and you have been wrong up until now. If you want to get right, the first thing you have to do is confess that all this other stuff is wrong. That's probably why he was looking for disciples out in boats and not in the temple. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You go to the temple and say, hey all you, you want to know what's right? Follow me. What do you mean? We, we're doing what's right. We're here. That was then. Okay, I'm, I'm almost done. I'm trying to come to a close here. That was then, 2,000 plus years ago. Two simple groups of people, right ones, wrong ones, as they would have defined it back then. Today, over 2,000 years later, you've got over 2,000 kinds of people, groups of people with varying understanding and knowledge and background and history I I talked about this a couple of days ago on a Sunday. Remember, I just talked about this one believes this, this one believes that, this one thinks this, this one thinks that. I mean, that was just barely scratching the surface, and those are only the ones in our country, honestly. You get outside of our country and go to a global view, you will see thousands of religions, thousands of denominations. And many of those that have roots in other nations that actually made their way over to here didn't even talk about those. So we're in, a, we're in a time where, I have to use this term, it's the scriptural term, where false prophets have been allowed to go out and propagate so much that we don't even know who's of what anymore. What God do you serve? What God do you serve? Who's your God? Who's your, what, are you, what nation are you? What tribe? What religion? What ethnicity? What, are, what background are you? And who, who along where, along what point convinced them that this is God? I'm not saying this to make it more difficult. I'm not not saying, oh, we got it so much harder now than they did back then. No, that's not what I'm saying. Don't mishear me. But what I'm telling you is, if any man will come to God, let him first believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Most... mm, I'm starting to get angry, but I'm not mad at you, I promise. Most religions will tell you, you do not even have to seek God. You just be you, live your life, do what you think is right, convince yourself that you're doing what's right, and you'll probably be okay. That is what most religions would promote now do this and pray Mm -mm. if any man will come to God literally you in your spirit in your thinking in your mind you've got to move I started by saying we're just lumps of clay with a spirit with a soul I've got to move that. It's possible. Hear me, please. It's possible to live your lifetime 70, 80, 90 years, whatever it is. It's possible to live your lifetime just as that lump of clay and have no intention ever over the course of your lifetime to move closer to God. It shouldn't be, but this world has made that possible. Many false prophets, many, many. And there is one true God. You can stand, I'm gonna come to a close here. What I am angry at is this idea that try your best do what you think is right and you'll be okay it's it's enough for that to be out in in the world but when that tries when that spirit tries to get into the church of the one true God now I'm doubly angry Because that same spirit that would deceive the world would get into the body of Christ and start with the same deception to deceive the body of Christ. To think. You got time? That's on your side. You got numbers? They're on your side. You've got people telling you that you're okay? (sighs) Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except you be born of water and of spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. You have to receive the Holy Ghost. I'd like us to pray. Lord Jesus, we're desiring the truth of your word, Father, above all else. Jesus, I believe you are one true God. You are the one, Lord Jesus, that created the world, that spoke it all into existence. Father, You are the Spirit. You are the Holy Spirit that has been from the beginning of time and before the beginning of time, God. Because it rests in You. It is a part of You, Lord Jesus. You are the Lord Jesus Christ. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You sent, Lord Jesus, that version of You that manifestation of your spirit into this world, to be born into this world, to live and to die for the salvation of the world. I believe it with my whole heart, Lord Jesus, that it is who you are. It is who you are, Lord Jesus. You are the one true living God. You are the one true living God. Come on, why don't you just talk to the Lord here a little bit longer, confess to Him. God, I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. I can't explain it all A to Z, Jesus. But I believe in You. I put my faith in You, God. I trust in You to lead me, God. I know that You will not forsake me, Lord Jesus. God, I know that You reward those that seek You. Those that seek after You, Jesus. You reward them, O God. In the name of Jesus, I pray let hearts be turned towards You. Jesus, I pray do the work that You must do in each life, O God, to get us to turn to You, to seek You first, Lord Jesus, to seek You above all, Lord God, to have an understanding of who You are, to get a revelation, Jesus, of Your power, of Your might, of Your blood that is shed for us on the cross to to forgive us of our sins, to redeem us, God. I pray let that revelation go forth tonight. I pray let it go forth tonight, Lord Jesus. I pray that men and women would be pricked in their heart, Lord Jesus, to know that they must have You, to know that they must have forgiveness of their sins, and to know that they must be washed away in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray it tonight, God. I pray it tonight, Lord Jesus. God, I thank You. I thank you, God, for loving me, for saving me. I thank you for revealing the truth of your word to me. I pray, God, let it be hidden in my heart. Jesus, let it be hidden in my heart. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray your covering upon each one of these minds. Lord God, that they would be able to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy, Lord. God, that they would be able to withstand the voice of the accuser. God, that they would be able to stand in the day of temptation. I pray it, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray it tonight. In Jesus' name, we pray it, Lord. We put our faith in you, God. Amen. 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 God bless you all. You are dismissed. Greet one another in Jesus' name.